Coming up in Need to Know, fast fashion or fast trash? We say goodbye to disposable clothing and hello to the joys of thrifting. In all the fields, our parents are getting older and we are the ones raising them. And in Gotta Do, we are flexing all our political muscle. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your best life. This is Ward and Webster. Now, what did you say about trash? <laughs> fast fashion or fast trash? We're going to get into that. How are you? Fast, fast fashion or fast trash? Yes. Okay. <laughs> literally like how it's referred to um did you even say hello to me hello hello how are you bianca ward (laughs) i am hopeful healthy and happy i just got my um because i am really taking this new you new new year new you 2022 seriously and doing the things that we said we were supposed to do so literally before we logged on i was able to look at my lab results because i have my physical coming up next week but i do you know you do your blood work first and the numbers are ever in my favor i am really proud of some of the progress that i have made with some of my things since my last physical so i'm feeling good it's working well, congrats. Um, I, I had my physical yesterday, actually. Um, so this is, it's so weird that we, we're literally having them at the same time. Not as well, I might say. So he, he was not thrilled at all that I have not seen the eye doctor yet because he's been telling me for the past two years that I need to go. He's like, I'm concerned about the pressure behind your eyes and glaucoma. I'm like, girl, I don't have glaucoma. He's like, but you need to get it checked. So he was not thrilled that I had not, um, uh, uh, done that. And, you know, I think I've, I haven't previously disclosed on the show, you know, I do have um, uh, hypertension. And so, and my numbers were good at, in my opinion, but he didn't like those either. And so now he wants to change. <laughs> he wants to up my, my dosage of my, of my blood pressure medication. And I'm like, oh girl, this is just, this has not been a very good visit. <laughs> so, you know, the last time, the last time I went to my doctor, she upped my dosage and I am just like of my blood pressure meds. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this at all. So why are we even increasing the thing exactly. that I don't want to do? So he doubled the dosage because he was not happy with my numbers. So I hover around 130 over 75, which is, if you know anything about blood pressure, mm. I mean, that's like, it's borderline hypertension. It's not even really high. But it's not, I don't feel like we need to be drugging me to the extent that you're trying to drug me. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to keep you alive. Hold on. That is actually, yo, if you saw, my numbers are trash. Wait, okay, so now I've told you mine. What are yours? (laughs) I'll show you mine. You show me yours. (laughs) They they sometimes are are legit out of control like sometimes i'm rocking 140 over 85 140 okay. over 90 like sometimes I, they're crazy I, I appreciate you being honest so if you got a 130 over 75 wouldn't you be pleased i would be like yes bitch pop them bills 
that's what, and that's what I told him. I was like, Doc, I, oh, I almost mentioned his name. I was almost like, you know, I don't think these numbers are that bad in the grand scheme of things. He's like, no, I want them lower. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Same. My doctor was like, so I have a blood pressure monitor that I keep in a drawer. And so every time I go in for my blood pressure check, she's like, so when are you going to bring the blood pressure monitor so I can actually see what it is that that you know your numbers are and i was like oh i be i forgot to bring it meaning i forget to take my blood pressure regularly anyway but i have an appointment next week so you know every 15 minutes i'm gonna take the blood pressure so that i have some <laughs> some numbers to show her and uh hopefully they have been better the blood pressure has definitely been better because sometimes like for real it's out of control but i know she's gonna yeah, I want I want all A's. My A1C has come down. That is huge for me. Things are happening in my favor. I don't care what she said. He did say at the end of my physical that he really appreciates being my doctor and that he really, it's a privilege that he's being my doctor. Now he never says that. So I feel like he said that just to soften the blow because he really was letting <laughs> me have it yesterday on a range of things that he was not pleased about. And so, yeah, this is just where we are. <laughs> oh, bless, bless all of the things. But hold on. When was the last time? You know, I can't talk about getting eyes checked because I am terrible. And you know, my glasses addiction is ridiculous. So. so his so his quote unquote scribe, he has a scribe and she comes in and does the questionnaire and then mm -hmm. she'll come back with him to like document the conversation essentially so that he can focus on on talking to me so he doesn't have to be in the computer. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, when she was asking me, because she's like, well, when was the last time you had your eyes checked? And I was like, uh, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean you don't know? They're, I mean, they just, they're just rude. She's like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, he's not gonna like that. <laughs> I was like, girl, y'all are ratchet as hell up in here. I I appreciate it. she's she's literally letting you know I am also um so you know I I, I love a good little colon hydrotherapy <laughs> so I did it last weekend to clean out my insides I asked him about it so I because you know I turned 45 later this year and so I was mm -hmm. like what are the tests that you're going to do starting next year and he's like well there's only two additional tests it's the prostate and the colon I was like perfect because I don't feel like doing all that today so that's the only two things he's going to add to my list of it's already like a battery of tests that he runs every year the colonoscopy you'll be fine you know but have you ever had a colonic no, you know, I don't do all that. I mean, we talked about this before. I don't think I we talked about this on the show, but we've discussed this. It's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's a time. It's life-changing. It really is. Um, and I've never told my doctor that I do. I, I tried to recently, um, I've probably done it once a year for the past, maybe three years or something like that. So I've never told my doctor I've done it. So now I'm like, oh, I should probably tell her that this is also a uh, part of my self-care routine is to literally clean out my insides. It's a time. I don't care what nobody say. I mean, why wouldn't you tell her? Because some people poo-poo it. <laughs> literally, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but is, is it, it's not in any way unsafe. It is, I mean, literally, people will tell you that everything is unsafe. So, because um, it's literally just water, water going in and everything coming out. Um, but no, but some people will be like, oh, you should never do that because you're washing out um, the good bacteria. But I just eat a yogurt after. And put all so that then, back in. But that would seem, but to me, that would be a great question to pose to her because she's the doctor. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm what? Like, We've already, you? look, look, I'm holding, we already, we were telling people two weeks ago to touch, to talk to their doctor about any and everything. And now you're afraid to tell your doctor that she's doing colonics? I'm going to tell her. And okay. I think, I think the reason, I think when it can become unsafe is there are some people who do it all of the time and you shouldn't do that. Like, um, everything in moderation, but there are some folks who, yes, like monthly, like that. It's just, no, you sh- should never no. Um, so once a year is good for me. I know somebody that used to do it like as the season changed, so they would do it four times a year. And I'm like, okay, like I could see that because you would be amazed at the things, Ugh, I, all the things that just come out of there. It is a time. Mm. It's life changing. Anywho. Your face. <laughs> For any of our listeners who are into colon hydrotherapy, uh, let us know. Share your experiences because I need I need friends in this arena. One person's trash really is another person's treasure. We get into the nitty gritty of fast fashion and share our thrifting tips. Like I said, nitty gritty. I'm working with these puns today. Knits like knit like knit clothing. Okay, but don't do that. I am always, as always, inspired by um, our good friends at Today Explained, and they recently had an episode on fast fashion. And so for those who um, don't know, fast fashion is literally clothing that is produced um, very quickly, very cheaply. Often it's it's very trendy. It's inspired by like catwalk um, things that you might see on the runway, celebrities, etc. There are thousands of of fast fashion brands. Um, usually, your favorite influencers are probably doing ads for them on IG, fast fashion. So some examples are like Zara, H and M, Fashion Nova, Shein. Forever 21, all of those brands that are literally producing clothing, um, clothing cheaply. It's, 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 it's cheap, stylish clothes. I was just about to say, this is what we used to call cheap clothes. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, I mean, I, it is literally that. But I think what makes it so much more, uh, what makes it so much popular so much more popular. I'm going to get words together today. Um, now is, so one of the things they were talking about on the episode is like with the um, social, with social media, there's even more of it. There's even more access to it. There's even more, again, influencers who are modeling these clothes, these $3.96 pants and pants and these little halter tops and selling very quickly. And they were talking about in the episode, just one, the demand for fast fashion, um, the harm on, on the environment, the working conditions, and a lot of the countries that produce it are of course awful. Um, the impact of fast fashion on the planet. They were talking about the dyes and the the toxins um, from some of these factories that um, produce these clothing, get into water and soil of some of these countries, making just the areas around these garments producing places just unlivable for animals, for people, etc. Of course, a lot of times it's essentially slave wages that people are being paid to make, you know, the tank tops on that Instagram girl. 
And so, yes, it is cheap clothes, but now there is even more of it, more access to it, more desire for it uh, than ever was before, greatly due to social media and the influence of literally influencers. I think of the of the list of social issues that you raised around the curation and creation of cheap fashion, the one the only one that I have a real issue with is the cheap labor. And I, I find it, I mean, that just, it really cuts against my moral fabric in so many ways. If you're making all of this money off of these cheap clothes, the least you can do is pay the people that are making it a reasonable wage. And not to change the subject, but just if I can shoehorn this in, I have some, you know, entrepreneur friends who have um, uh, USA-based businesses and they pay people in other countries like a few dollars to run their books and to do things like that. And I find that horrible, 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 horrible. Don't do that. Have have more of a moral compass than that. I'm not going to call names, but you know exactly who you are out there. You know who I'm talking <laughs> to. And I don't, I don't care if I love you. I still don't like it. Okay. Well, back, back to the, some of the points you raised, B. Um, People are trying to keep that overhead low. <laughs> But you know what? But you know what? The universe sees everything. And when you think when you think you're getting over, you're getting under. So don't think you're going to ever get away with anything because the universe sees everything. And if I may have a second tangent in your segment. (laughs) Let's go. I never if someone tries to cheat me, if someone tries to steal from me, if someone tries to betray me, I never even I never get bothered by that because it always comes back to this. The universe sees everything everything. And so don't think you're getting away with it. Don't think you can hide it. Don't think that you can say something behind my back and, 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 oh, no one will ever know the universe knows. And yo, and you know what, I'm gonna let the universe handle you. That's how I deal with everything. <laughs> Some people call it karma. I, call it I was universe. just gonna say, I was gonna say, cause they say karma is that bitch. <laughs> okay. Now back to the topic that you raised. <laughs> I So, so one of the things that that I that I'm really big on is like I love clothes. I like to I like I like to be fashionable, and I think I, I want other people to be fashionable, whatever that means to them. One of the things I really dislike, and I always kind of tease straight men about this, is because they kind of they always look like, not always, some of them, some of the times, because I'm going to stop trying to generalize. Look let's, like they don't let's. they don't put any effort into what they have on, and and, and that I've never found that attractive. Like like I that's just not that's never been my thing so I say that to say that I do very much appreciate that you know you can look good no matter how much you paid for it and like maybe you can go and buy something that you're only going to wear once and throw it away or or give it away or whatever so I, I get all of that the problem Bianca is twofold um all of this is a waste of money because let's face it do we really need all these different clothes in the closet some of which we only wear once or twice And then the second thing is, unless you invest in it, it's really not going to last that long anyway. So we're creating something that's not going to last that then becomes waste that other people can't even can't even wear because it's falling to pieces. So like it really is, you know, problematic. The best things to hand down are the pieces that were valuable when you first bought them. But a lot of people don't want to give away their valuable clothes. That and 
it's about um, it's about the initial investment. So I think part of the reason why fast fashion is is appealing is because it's it's inexpensive, it's cheap. Um, I know when I first discovered H and M as a as a as a wee uh, youngin, maybe a teen, you couldn't tell me nothing. What I can get a whole dress for ten dollars? Like I thought that was just amazing hot shit, um, but. The quality is cheap. It's gonna fall apart. You can't really pass it down, hand it down, donate it, etc. Because it's it's it essentially it's trash, right? Even depending on how you care for it, etc. Knowing what I know now, and being older and having more resource, the idea of okay, I'm not gonna buy the ten dollar dress. I'm gonna spend a little bit more for quality is um is different it's something that i'm trying to do it's quality i know the fabric is better i know it's going to last longer i know that um and and we'll kind of get into this when we talk about thrifting but if it is something that i am going to donate that is still in a good condition that somebody else will purchase it and it will not just end up in landfills as a lot of these fast fashion clothes are um and so i think that that is always something to consider that initial investment in whatever it is that you're buying if you are choosing to buy clothes yeah and i think um by the way i think h&m the quality of h&m over the past 10 years has gone so far down bianca like i don't even i don't even i don't even walk in there anymore for nothing like i used to go in there for like certain things i don't go in there for anything now because i find the quality to just be way way beneath anything that i would want to put on my person <laughs> I believe it. I don't know. Honestly, I do not know when's the last time I bought clothing from H&M for myself. Now, what I will say uh, this or last year, what I did for the first time in a very long time was I bought a few pieces of clothing for the kids from H&M. And I think partially because I know they're going to wear it, they're going to wear it, they're going to wear it, and then they're going to grow out of it quickly anyway. So I have a hard time, and this is just me, I have a hard time spending a lot of money on children's clothes. And I know some folks who do, who get their kids all of the fashion, all of the brand names, but they grow every 15 minutes. So I, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I fast fashion my children. <laughs> Because I, but even when we are then donating it or giving it away, because they haven't worn it for so long, like the condition in which we're uh, giving it away is still fairly good. Um, so yeah, let's get into thrifting because I didn't realize that thrifting was one, something that you did. Again, when we talk about the things you put on your body, I don't know why I, I couldn't see it. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't see it for you. You know what? I, I, you know, I take, I take offense to that because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like people have this caricature of me as like this bougie, yes. untouchable queen who would not go thrifting. Thrifting is one of my favorite things to do. I sometimes take entire thrifting trips where all I do on a trip is thrift. San Francisco is a perfect city to go thrifting in. I have gone to San Francisco and done nothing else but go to the thrift stores. What makes San Francisco? San Francisco so good for thrifting though you know I knew you were going to ask me that and I honestly don't know except for it's just it's ingrained into the culture of like this kind of we're going to recycle reuse repurpose everything we're not going to let anything go to waste. it's very much that type of 
people that live there. And I think that that contributes to it because a lot of the people that live there are really sold on this idea of, I'm not going to throw this away. I'm going to give this away and, and, and maybe someone else can use it. It's like, that's ingrained into the mind of a lot of the people that live there. And in my opinion, I really don't know, I haven't done a study, <laughs> but in my opinion, that, that, that has to be the reason. Also, Sanford, I would also say this because I, and I'm jumping ahead. I acknowledge mm -hmm. that I'm jumping ahead. A lot of the best thrift stores are in places where there's very high resourced people. In yes. other words, people who make a lot of money, who spend a lot of money, and then who give the stuff away they don't want. San Francisco is a very expensive place to live. So when the rich people there get tired of these clothes, they give them to the thrift store. So, and therefore the thrift stores there are better. Yes, yes, yes. On that, on that exact point, I had a, um, once upon a time I had a roommate child and we will talk, you know what? No, we're not even going to talk about her. <laughs> and she, um, she would only thrift in Bethesda, like, so in Bethesda, Maryland, <laughs> um, she, it was very, she was very, she was very strategic on where she would go, where she would, um, the places she would take her clothes to do consignments, um, but she was right. She was like, oh, you got to go where, as you said, people who are well-resourced, I was going to say the rich folk, um, are because they are giving away their uh, things they purchased with their, with their resources. So a lot of the labels. And I know you understand this, Bianca, because you do the same thing at Halloween. You know where to go to get those candy bars, <laughs> like the full-length candy bars. So it's the same concept, really. It literally is. Full-size everything. <laughs> in your clothing and your candies. So thrifting is also, yes, it's a great way to save money, but I learned recently one in the episode, but also just in doing the research and preparation that thrifting saves the planet. Um, it's great for the environment, even though I know you believe that, you know, we're all gonna be extinct soon anyway. So why do you, but why, why do you, why, why, do, why do, do you care about- Why do you have to frame this? it like that? Why do you have to frame it like that? I mean, I wait, pause. I thought about you. Well, not pause, but I thought about you the other night when it was literally like snowing one minute and then thunderstorm warnings the next. And and then hearing about the underwater volcano and the eruption, I was like, oh, shit, the earth is dying. I was like, oh, but Isaiah already said we're going to be extinct. Like no species lives forever. You don't know how that stays with me from that episode. <laughs> She's referring to Queens of the Ice Age, if you want to go back and listen. Anywho, so thrifting is great because one, first and foremost, it keeps clothes out of landfills. So many clothes that are um, disposable, that are cheap, that we're just getting rid of anyway, a lot of times that we're not donating, but just throwing in the trash, which a lot of people do, um, ends up in the landfills, which is horrible. And we know already that the conditions with the landfills. I heard once that we ship our um, like recycling to China. That's, I think it was our, I think it was our sister Rosie who told us that. But anywho, um, another way that it saves uh, the planet, specifically the people, is that a lot of our thrift stores contribute to charities. And that I do know. Um, there are some, if you want to be specific, there are some church run or community organization run um, thrift stores where a portion of the um 
the proceeds or the sales goes directly back to those organizations. So if that's important to you, look out for organizations that work specifically with thrift stores in your area. It lowers the carbon footprints, which is amazing and we need to do because again, the earth is dying. Um, and it is a way to help preserve water because there's a lot of water that goes into clothing production. So if we are, why are you shaking your head? This is true. If there's one thing this world doesn't have to worry about running out of, it's water. <laughs> the planet is 70% water, Beyond. But you want it to be good water? <laughs> oh my God. I'm, you know what? I don't, I, don't have, I don't have to repeat it because I've said it before on this podcast. What bothers me the most about environmentalists is that they are intellectually <laughs> dishonest about all of these key points. If they would just be more honest about it, I could roll with them. But now, now we need to worry about water on a planet that's almost completely all water. That's absurd. <laughs> that is so, absolutely absurd. So let's talk about, okay, so then we can say the quality of it because the thrifting, um, also reduces chemical pollution because of the, again, when we talked about fast fashion, there's a lot of harmful dyes and oils and stuff that are being used to produce these clothes that a lot of times are getting into the soil and getting into the water sources. So sure, there's a lot of water, but if it's trash, how are we gonna, how are we gonna use it and enjoy it and put it on our um, supple skin? Uh, so uh, agreed. So what I would, <laughs> how I would, how I would reframe it. So it's always led with, it's really not, the issue is really not the water. The issue is how we maximize the earth's resources. And so, mm. you know, the earth is full of carbon and hydrogen and water and all these things, the coal, all the rest of these natural resources, these resources won't be depleted by us. However, our overutilization of them, our, you know, you poisoning know, of them, poisoning of them, <laughs> It impacts our lives. So I, what I, I'm, I'm just asking people to shift that message frame away from the water and back to its impact on human beings, because I think that's what people really care about. So it's not about the water. The water will be fine. The planet will be fine. We won't be able to survive with what we're doing. And that's, I think that's, that's what I would prefer, but I'm gonna let you make the arguments you want to make since you're a co-host <laughs> of this show, whatever. You get on my nerves. <laughs> I hope the wonders know it and feel it because you do. Let's get back to thrifting. All that to say that there are environmental and community benefits of thrifting, of not just buying cheap shit that you're going to throw away, but the idea of, of reducing, reusing, and recycling the fashions. So are there any things <laughs> that you will not buy from the thrift store? I don't do underwear. I don't do shoes. I don't do bathing suits. And I don't know how anybody would. So, I mean, so to me, those are the obvious ones. But people do. I don't, I don't understand what that's about. <laughs> people do. I have seen things at thrift stores. I have seen, um, yes, underwear, bathing suits, shoes, of course. I have seen um, faux ponytails. I will never forget. I was like, I've seen wigs, honey. <laughs> in the thrift stores things that bianca would not put on her head um so one of my one of my great friends uh amber she is a a thrifting expert and fashionista and blogger eaton style blog check her out um 
she knows that I am very weird about the idea of thrifting shoes. Like I don't, um, your feet have been in there, but at the same time, I'm buying clothing, of course, washing it, but somebody else's body has been in there. Like, I just don't care of it that way. But she had did a blog um, for, she blogs for Goodwill. And I think, I think it was Goodwill that she did it for. But anyway, about just all about thrifting shoes. So for people like me who are grossed out by it, some of the things that she had recommended, um, you can change the liner in the inside of the shoe so you can replace the liner so your feet are not like actually touching it sanitizing cleaning the inside of the shoe like she has thrifted and and gotten some amazing shoes like amazing brand designers whatever um i have done it one time i have bought one pair of shoes that i actually love secondhand but it's not my go-to i i i don't know yeah I, yeah, and I've seen some really cute shoes like, oh, those would be really cute. But it took a long time for me to want to put my feet somewhere else somebody else's toes have been. Well, in my opinion, there's so many, there's so few men's shoes that look better the more they're worn, if that makes ah. sense. I, I prefer a shoe to be on the newer side. And so by the time someone's ready to hand it down, the condition of said shoe is probably too worn for my liking because there's, I can't even think of a shoe that improves, in my opinion, the more it's worn. Now it's probably more comfortable for the foot that's been wearing it, but it's not, it's not, you know, I don't, I've, I've never dressed myself for comfort. So I don't, that's not even something I go for unless I'm wearing sweats. Like I'm, I'm always, always dressing for style and look. So if it doesn't look good, it doesn't really matter how it feels in my view. Do you dress for style or for comfort? Both. Since well, that, well, that's not true because you can't do both. You can. <laughs> There's no such thing. You can because you can be comfortable and still look cute. And no, you still can't. be stylish. Yes, no, you, you can't. Can. No, you can't. So I don't. I never talk about this woman <laughs> oh, on the show. Oh, my word. So I never talk about this woman on the show, but I'm going to raise her in this instance because it's the one redeeming quality, the one thing I actually like about her. So Melania Trump, oh. you know, we could, say, we could say a lot of things about her. You know what? <laughs> Let's just, for the sake of this conversation, Bianca, let's not do all that today. <laughs> I was not expecting you to we go could there. Say, we could say a lot of things about her and a lot of people do. But one, one thing I'm going to give her credit on is that I think she dresses herself, whoever dresses her, I think they do a good job. But she would always show up at whatever event that she was going to in like, extremely high heel shoes. Like I've seen her like digging, <laughs> digging ditches in high heel shoes. <laughs> like just absurd. She's committed to her shoe. Now she is a classic example of someone who is clearly dressing for style and not for comfort. Because when you're going to hand out lunches at, you know, the, the, the Salvation Army, a, a high, a pump is really not comfortable for that, but she looked cute in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> But she could have been, you can, mm, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I am also one of those people who I love a dress and sneakers. Like I love a skirt and some chucks. Like that is, which is very much what our vice president gives. She loves she it. Cousin Kamala dresses like that all the time, particularly on the campaign trail. She loves her chucks and I, I approve. Um, so that's why I say, I think you can do, I think you can do both. I was going to say, since I've been home, 
it has definitely been more about comfort than, you know, working from home, um, more about comfort, but also at least from, I don't know, the elbow up, I want to look decent because we're on these damn Zooms all day. But any opportunity that I get to like really go outside or like put on real clothes, I want both. Like I want to be stylish, but I want to be comfortable. I used to love heels. And then I don't know when's the last time I put a pair of heels on. Let me, maybe if I offer a little background on how I arrived at this opinion, it would, it would give you and, and the listeners some insight onto why I feel so strongly about this. Please. So when I was, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist, as I've shared before, we went to church every Sunday, we would actually go to church at 930. And we would be in church until after one o'clock, because we had Sunday school, and then we had a service and they were both two hours each. Now that is, that is wholly ridiculous. <laughs> I was about to say that sounds about black. <laughs> that, but that's how black people roll. And every time I tell my white friends this, they were like, what? Because we're in and out in an hour, sometimes 45 minutes. And I was like, you know what? Can I come to church with y'all? Because this is some fuckery. <laughs> but anyway, but Bianca, growing up, going to church every Sunday was the height of being uncomfortable. The men were, were completely like suited up, tied up, vested up. The shoes hurt your feet. The women had on high heels and hats and every, nobody was comfortable. Nobody was comfortable. As soon as we came home from church, it was like everyone got undressed at the door because we were so uncomfortable <laughs> in what we had been wearing that we couldn't wait to get out of it. Now, even at a young age, I was like, this is crazy. This is Sunday. This is the weekend. Why can't we just go to church in whatever we're wearing? Like, like what? This is absurd. But again, the comfort was not even a consideration. It was more about being quote unquote stylish, you know, this Easter Sunday fetish that, that some church folks have. And, and I'm guessing maybe you can, you can straighten me out. Cause you would know, maybe some people feel like it's disrespectful to worship in, in sweat. I don't, I don't know where it comes from. It, it was just weird, but that's where I begin to associate this whole idea of, oh, style over comfort. And we're not going to be comfortable even in, in our worship because that's what we do at home. But when you're out and you're doing something else, like you're going to work, you're going to church, you're doing whatever, you have to be stylish, which is never comfortable in my view. Because you were supposed to, the idea of your, literally your Sunday best, it is bringing your best clothes to, trust me, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't. For the past, uh, probably almost 15 years, 14 years, I have been attending a church that is very much jeans and t-shirts and come as you are. Um, it very, and I love I, it. I, I, I appreciate that. And then on the days where, you know what, I do want to, I do want to give a little, a, a Sunday, my, my Sunday frock. <laughs> I can do that. I like, I can do that too. It really is kind of come as you are feeling, um, as you are led because the purpose is, it's not about what you are wearing. It is about being in worship and, and going to church, right? Like that should be the, the bigger point of it, not the ensemble. Can I ask you a personal question? If you must. Have you ever worn a suit and tie? To church, to? To anywhere. A suit and tie? Yes. I have it's not. It's not a trick question. It's just a straight up question. No, no, I have not. But I feel like I have to look good in one. Here's where I'm going with this. Go talk to anyone who wears suits and ties and no one, not a single one of them will tell you that it's comfortable. So that's what I'm talking about <laughs> when I'm talking about style versus comfort. No man who's ever wore a suit and tie, whether it be to work, to church, to wherever, they will never tell you, oh, this is the most comfortable suit I've ever put on my body. Hell no, that shit ain't comfortable. We can't wait that, to take it off. That literally just reminds me of like my grandmother in her girdle. 
may again may may she rest but but i remember almost that look of relief after said sunday service or after wherever when she got to take that thing off Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, your whole body exhales. So I'm assuming the tie would be the same thing. Like, uh, how do we get on this? I don't know. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. Can we get back to thrifting, please? <laughs> so <laughs> this is for the folks to enjoy. This is why they keep coming back for our shenanigans and tomfoolery. And every now and then, there is a point. What? Uh, what are some tips that you have when thrifting? So when you uh, when you go to San Francisco for, for your trips, or if you do thrift anywhere locally, if you would grace us with your local presence, uh, what are some some essential things that you always make sure that you do or look for? So I always set a budget because um, for mm-hmm. me, when the price point lowers, then for some reason I feel like I can buy more shit that I really don't need. So t- so let's let's let me back up. There's nothing in the thrift store that I quote unquote need. This is all completely luxury and 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 like just just you know excess. And so rarely do I do I go in there with needing to buy something. And so because of that, I always set a budget. And once I hit my thrift budget, I'm 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 bouncing. Like I'm not gonna I'm not giving the thrift store all my money. I'll just make a donation because <laughs> I don't I don't need all this stuff. <laughs> You've been to my house several times. You know I'm not I'm not really big on clutter. And so right. the second thing I would recommend, and this is a little bit harder to do, I've been trying to do it more lately. Every time you buy one thing, give up something else. So if you're buying a new pair of shoes, whether from Mm -hmm. the thrift store or somewhere else, when you bring those shoes home, find another pair of shoes in your closet and donate those or give those away to someone else. So you're constantly rotating the closet. And what this does is that you won't accumulate, you know, 20 pairs of shoes. No one's, no one's wearing 20 pairs of shoes. It just fucking collects. And so the first thing I would say is set a budget, and then rotate. If you if you find a dress you really like at the thrift store, when you add that dress to your closet, find a dress that you're not really wearing that you can either donate or turn into something else. Like sometimes I'll take a pair of jeans and cut them into some shorts. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the, the two biggest tips. And then the third one I already shared, which is that you really want to think about where you're thrifting. So find the right neighborhoods after you've done some trial and error, you'll know kind of like, oh, they always have good stuff or they never have good stuff. Um, and it's really about, are the people in this neighborhood kind of donating to the thrift stores? Or are they not donating in that way? Are they donating in other ways? And so um, that's the other thing. And then the last thing I'll say is, I always give and support Goodwill. I don't give and support Salvation Army because I'm mm, a highly mm-hmm. political person mm-hmm. and um, just the Goodwill is a better choice. And I'm not trying to throw charities under the bus. I'm just going to say I support Goodwill. And so where I go is also another consideration. If it's Black or Brown owned, absolutely. If it's Goodwill, absolutely. If I know, like in, when I'm in Fort Lauderdale, there's this thrift shop that they give part of the proceeds to HIV um, charities, absolutely. I will go in there and give them my money. So those are my considerations. I love that. I Again, about being intentional about where you spend your money and your dollars. So yes, kudos. I am going to just run through these um, essential tips really quick because I think some of them are helpful, but some of them you've already mentioned. So the first one is sell before you buy. So essentially they're saying um, kind of what you were saying in terms of 
getting rid of before you're bringing in, but they are talking about specifically selling a few items that you no longer need. So kind of that consignment idea in order to have the money to go thrifting so that you're not necessarily spending more money. So your items online, consignment, et cetera. Um, Find out the store's specialty beforehand. So again, like you said, knowing where you want to go, being specific in the type of store. Some of them it's furniture and decor, others it might be more of the fashions, kids clothing, et cetera. So know before you go, dress appropriately. Many thrift stores don't have fitting rooms, so you might have to just try on there now. I have only done, I've only tried on clothes in a thrift store one time. And again, that was with my friend Amber. Um, I hope her ears are ring. <laughs> and even when she was like, girl, go in there and try it on. I was like, excuse me, now what? <laughs> like on, on the, yes. So if, if you are one of those people that like to try on first, you want to make sure that you are, are wearing clothes that you can put other clothes over so that they're not exactly touching your body, but you can still see if things fit. Um, Give yourself a clear goal in terms of knowing what you are looking for before you get in there, kind of having a list that is is would be helpful for me because I know I can go in there and be like, oh, I like this, 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 knowing I don't need it. Instead, think about what you need, make your list, go with that intention. Um, Number five, get items tailored. I've been watching. So this pause, this new season of Queer Eye. Is, has me all in the feels. I watch Queer Eye. I don't know if you do, but Tam France, he talks about, um, he talks a lot about getting clothes tailored or just having a basic sewing machine and, and learning how to do like basic stitches so that you can do it yourself because it really enhances the, the look of the clothes, et cetera, just putting in, because if you're not spending a lot of money on an item, if all it needs is a few stitches to make it fit even better for your body, you can go ahead and do that. Now, I believe in tailoring, but I take the exact opposite approach. Like to me, if Mm -hmm. I'm only spending $5 on a pair of shorts, it would cost more than $5 to get them tailored. But then it's, but then it's also you investing in the piece that you might keep even longer. Because now that you have it, now that you're like, oh, this is great. It could be what if you go to the thrift store yes it's only five dollars but great quality great designer great condition whatever but the fit is just a little bit off if you spend the extra dollars to get it tailored so that it fits you even better you are more likely to hold on to it even longer uh, you know i feel like i feel like i've said no a lot today so i'll just say maybe to this <laughs> I so for me I don't I don't need a fitting room in a thrift store because I don't I don't try something on there like again if I'm Mm -hmm. only spending five dollars for these shorts if they don't fit I'll just give them away or bring them back and donate them like it's not like it's not that deep like I'm gonna try on the things that cost money but if it's that's just that's just my approach and so I apply that same principle to the tailoring I tailor only the most expensive clothes in the closet. If it's thrift stores, it's by definition. It's just, you know, I'm only going to wear it a few times. It's mostly casual things. Like they don't have to be tailored and I don't, I don't try them on, but it's, it's, I, I don't necessarily agree with your point that maybe if I did, I would keep them longer per se. But to me, it's the, it's the whole cost benefit analysis. And again, if the item costs almost nothing, and the cost of tailoring it is equal to that. Well, now I've spent double the amount. 
on the short. So now that now but you're still right, but you're still probably spending less than you would have spent if you went into a, well, I know you don't go into stores, but if you went into a retailer and if you went Fair. into structure. Fair. <laughs> Girl, they don't have that anymore. It's not expressman. Fair. You made your point. <laughs> okay. Know when the stores restock. Um, avoid impulse buys. Again, setting the budgets and things. Um, learn how to discern quality. So again, making sure that you are buying things that are in great condition, um, great fabrics, etc. So you're investing in the pieces. Um, scan the aisles haggle i don't haggle when i go to the grocery oh, so the grocery store when i go to the thrift store i usually Mm-mm. just Mm-mm. yeah i don't do I that know, anywhere i know there are like some more i mean maybe if you're going to a consignment shop something that's more upscale where the things cost more but i don't i don't no I, I actually I, I hate we need to do a whole segment on how i hate that in general like haggling? what i hate haggling over haggling negotiating like the hmm. the cost of we didn't discuss this, the cost of houses and cars. Like I would prefer that it's like walking into a grocery store where they say this jar of peanut butter costs $2. Mm-hmm. And so you either buy it at $2 or you don't, you don't go to the counter and be like, can I give you one eighty five for this? No, <laughs> like, no, get the fuck out of here. But when you go to buy a car, they're like, this car is, is $18,500. And then we're going to have a conversation for the next two hours on what I'm going to pay. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> And I love that for somebody who doesn't have a car. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I don't have one. It's like, have you ever? Just, anywho, that, let's have that conversation. Another. How did we get here? Another no, time. Because you, you brought up the haggling. So, yes. so, but I do, but before, I'm sorry. Where do you haggle and what do you haggle over? I might, I may have haggled on my car, on my first car a little bit. Well, I mean, everyone does that. I mean, so the car in the house is the obvious ones. What besides those two things? I think that's it. Um, I've, I've definitely, and I will say this, I think my, my issue or my feelings about haggling definitely changed once I became a business owner. Like once I was out there selling my earrings that I know I'm spending all night making and people are like, can I give you $10? So so you get offended when people haggle with you. (laughs) Yes, because I know I'm, I'm, I'm making it with my own hands. Exactly. Okay. So so you're Hyundai in agreement with me. Hyundai and Toyota, they... Um, so we've come around to her agreeing <laughs> that haggling is, if she not, you just pay what she asking for those damn earrings. And if you don't want the, if you don't want to pay that price, then you don't want the earrings. Move it on. And last but not least, shop off season. It's <laughs> a way to get best prices. How did we get here? Can we... <sighs> All that to say, as we wrap up this 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 segment of one night, we have been all over the world. We've been at church. We've been in the marketplace. We have been on the planet everywhere. Um, think about your clothing. Think about where you're spending your money. Think about the fashions that you are buying. Um, explore thrifting and secondhand shopping if you are not doing it already. Uh, that's what you got to do. You see how I put that in there, even though it's not the got to do? I'm going to put it in anywhere. Moving us along. So in all the fields, we're getting older, and so are our parents. We discuss when the roles are reversed and when we begin to raise our parents. This, um, 
has always been on my well one have you ever heard of the sandwich generation no and i just started reading about it when you sent over this arc so i had not heard about this before i i'm on i'm on i'm on a uh no <laughs> So the sandwich generation, and I had never really heard of it either until, but had had lived it multiple times. But the sandwich generation is essentially the time between, um, they say it's usually around the age, uh, around 40s, late between kind of 40 and 60, when you are uh, really 40s, when you are raising your children and, and caring for your um older parents at the same time so you are, are kind of literally sandwiched in beneath in between excuse me raising your children and caring for your parents and so one of the things that makes this time unique um, that comes up a lot is um just the the emotional weight of caring for your kids watching your parents age because i think that that is something that when it starts to happen and we we realize that 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 in itself kind of takes an emotional toll as our parents get older and we're starting to see them differently um there can be financial burden with that as well the cost of raising your kids as well as contributing to um your parents living if you have to right um i have always I, again, I didn't know this. I didn't know this term until probably like eight or nine years ago. But I remember um, my grandmother. My grandmother lived with us for for various periods, years, and she kind of did that with all of my aunts and uncles because she was always there to help literally raise her grandchildren um, but as she got older when the last time she lived with us, it was really that's when my mom was essentially in that sandwich generation because she was raising me i was in high school my brother was like in elementary school but also you know we are taking my grandmother to doctor's appointments and and caring for her and helping her get situated with surgeries and just all of that so just literally being pulled um i also remember the the benefit of me being old enough to also drive my grandmother to doctor's appointments. So being able to kind of take some of that weight off as well. Um, and so that usually doesn't happen again, they say until like 40s, like late 40s or whatever. But for me, um, it happens a lot earlier when, when my mom got sick and um, had to move in with us. So literally the past seven years, so long before Whew, I was what early 30s um, and just having responsibilities of, of taking care of a parent long before I had um, planned to or thought about. But I thought about this one because I see my mom every day because <laughs> she lives with me. God bless. Um, but also listening to our last episode when you were talking about uh, <laughs> your dad going to the casino. Um, <laughs> going but as our like just the reality of our parents getting older and how that impacts the way we see them our relationship with them when we start when those roles roles start to reverse and we have more of an impact on um on their lives or or the their decisions etc when we start to be really become next of kin or decision makers on on what happens with the people that 
raised us. Did you ever live with your, did you ever have grandparents and were you ever in a multi-generational home? No. So, um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a blessing. Cause it's a hoot. <laughs> and, um, so, um, I think so. First things first, my parents are both very young. So they had me when they were young. My mother was 18 when I was born. My dad was Mm -hmm. 21, 22 at the most. And so I think one of the things what I would just say that I was thinking about as you were speaking is that, you know, for me, it might be my 50s because these folks I was I had they had me when they were young. And so I think it's just kind of going to be shifted a little bit later. And thankfully, they've both been uh, very healthy up to this point. I'm actually looking forward to taking care of them because I can't wait to lock them away somewhere. Um, you could, they're going to, I mean, it's going to be a great time. You know what? I might even, you know what? My, both of my parents are divorced and remarried. I might even put them in the same apartment. Y'all are going to be back. I'm going to have my parents back together again in my twilight years. That's what I'm going to give to myself. Every now and then, I think about that for my parents. So my brother said to me, why are you trying to do some parent trap shit? Bianca, get over it. My parents have been separated for forever at this point. But my dad, usually once a year, will come and stay with my mom and the kids while Cliff and I go out of town. So I was like, wouldn't it be cute if like, you know, they go on like a little day date because usually like they were here, my dad would come like in the summer. So they're essentially dropping the kids off at camp and they kind of have the whole day to themselves. So I'm like, so I said to my mom, like, you should, you guys should go to the movies or like on a little date or something. And she's like, Bianca, no. (laughs) And I, I just think now as they are older and different um i think that would they ever be back together back together i don't know but that's an interesting point (laughs) that sometimes i i just wonder well my 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 father is remarried and i love my stepmother so that they they wouldn't be back together but that doesn't mean they can't live in the same space i mean i'm not paying for two spaces for them to live in (laughs) so if they want me to take care of them they're gonna live where i tell them (laughs) (laughs) as your parents get older do you ever feel like you or have those moments where you're parenting them Mm -mm, no no well maybe so Mm. did I tell you about the time that mom and I went to Italy and we went into the gelato shop and she didn't want to tip like the lady who had been helping us or she oh no no she thought she thought the, the well, wait well let me back up because this is important so I pay for everything so she didn't put down <laughs> and trust me y'all this is important to the story I'm about to tell so this one paid for nothing she is all of the money involved in here is my money so we walk into the gelato shop and she can't decide what she wants to have and this lady is like helping her and mom must have took seven eight nine ten minutes to pick a fucking gelato and I'm like, girl, just pick something. There's other people waiting. But the, the lady behind the counter was so patient with her. She finally decided what she wanted. I paid. And uh, the lady gave me the change. And uh, I don't know what it was. I must have asked her if she thought this was too much. Like I was going to give the lady a euro, which is like a little more than a dollar. It's not even that much money. And I don't know why I asked her, but the circumstance, like apparently either the money was put in her hand, something like that happened. And I was like, oh, should we, should we give her like a Euro for helping us? Do you know that this woman (laughs) snatched this Euro out of my hand and said, 
under her breath. No, she don't need to be tipped for helping us. And when we got outside that, sh- oh, wait a minute. Not only did I, not only did I give the lady the euro, when we got outside that store, I said, hey girl, hey. <laughs> said hey girl hey um (laughs) we absolutely are gonna tip people that help us that take 10 minutes out of their lives help us pick out some fucking gelato we are gonna give them a euro and i need you to act right what the hell is wrong (laughs) did you call her deborah did you call her deborah (laughs) i never i never used the d word because that's just that's just too disrespectful but I, i was like mom this is you're out of bounds and she she didn't even, she, I mean, she had, so she, I think, I think she felt guilty because it wasn't even her money that she was yanking out of my own hand. <laughs> like, get back to that. Like, but when I, so when you think about parenting, I was like, why do I have to tell this 60 plus year old woman that we need to tip her? What? Weren't you the one telling me to like respect people's time and be yes. gracious and all these things? And now you don't even want to give this lady a euro? That's, that you are giving her, essentially. That's deep. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that is deep. I think there are many times where I have um, had to get Doreen together. <laughs> I'm gonna call her <laughs> Doreen, and maybe not. Let me not. Let me not say that because she is definitely um, still the mother, and I'm very clear, uh, and I am really protective of her when it comes to my kids because sometimes I think they can kind of push boundaries because she is a lot easier with them and like really easygoing. And I think they, I think they be trying her sometime. And I have to remind them that that is my mother. So what you not gonna do is disrespect her. Cause I will yoke you up. Like that's just real. Um, ever since my mom has been with us. So again, going on seven years now. And my mother also is fairly young. She is only 50 fine. <laughs> um, and so our our roles have been different, partially because I, um, you know, essentially take care of various things and regarding her health and coordinating her care, especially early on when she was staying with me. And so having to make decisions um, I will never forget saying that to uh, the social worker when my mother was in the hospital. Um, I was like, I'm making decisions for her life that I didn't think I would be making until she was 80 years old when I have to say, okay, girl, you can't drive no more or stuff like that. So um, because of health, there's just been a huge change and dynamic in our roles. And so I am raising the kids and kind of raising her in a way as well and and sometimes having to ask myself okay should I be making these decisions for her she is and remembering she's still grown you know like I think yes as we as we see our parents as um I was about to say peers but not not peers but just see them in a different way just remembering that there are still those unique dynamics. Like they really are their whole person that now that I'm older, I can be a little bit more real and frank with that I might not have been when I was a child. So I'm. Uh, have you had the conversation with both of your parents about what their wishes are um, in the event that you do have to speak for them or you do have to do something for them if they're not able to do it for themselves? So I have had that conversation more bluntly with my dad like he's like so in terms of 
if anything happens to him like he will always say bianca and this is just like if i'm in an accident or something he literally says pull the plug and cremate me <laughs> and i'm like oh sir he's like i don't i don't want life support i don't want any of those things so he and i have had those kind of conversations my mother is very much um i trust you do whatever is best and i think we saw that when i was literally making decisions about her health now what i was doing was seeking wise counsel so i was asking you know my my cousin who is a doctor or just other medical professionals that we knew like before i sign this paperwork or before i agree with this test because she cannot answer for herself and here i am doing it for her what is the best decision um medically um trying to pull some of the emotion out of it because i think that that is tough especially we we love our parents right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so i have two aunts who are older than my parents and i'm mm. i'm close with both of them so i have had those conversations with them and i've talked about my aunt shirley on this podcast before and i have shared you know some details about her and she's been very specific she's 80 and she's given me you know instructions right on down to what hymns she wants sung over her yes! body. oh shirley and I'm like, girl, you are you are too concerned about the wrong things. Well, I'm, we're going to sing what we want to sing and put you in the box we want to put you in. Girl, you're going to be gone. <laughs> I, I, I want people to understand that a funeral is for the living. It's not for the dead. The dead are gone. The funeral is for the living. Yes, but when we think of, I know, and I get, I get that. But those final wishes, I remember my grandmother having that conversation with my with my mom, like, and my mother talked about it when she gave the speech at my grandmother's funeral. She was like, Doreen, go get the pen and paper and come sit down. And my, and, she said, and my mother tells me all the time, she was like, she thought, you know, grandma was going to have her make a grocery list until she started to say who she wanted to sing, what songs, and, and you're right, like, she not there. And okay, fine. But my mother did the best to honor those wishes right to make sure certain songs were yeah. i get it i i i just find it and we're all we are truly all over the place today and we apologize <laughs> i always it. i always find it interesting that human beings try to control things after their after their earthly existence concludes because it really mm. is that's some control freak shit. <laughs> so in other words it, so this is this is my philosophy in life, I get to do whatever I want in life. I get to do sleep with who I want, drink what I want, eat what I want, live how I want to live. When my life ends, that's the end of it. I don't. I shouldn't be giving y'all instructions for what's going to happen after I'm gone. Do what you need to do. Do what you want to do. I won't. I'm. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. But I, you were so stupid. But I also think there is something kind and thoughtful about making some of those decisions so that your family doesn't have to. And I only say that in the sense that if I have talked to my loved ones and said, okay, this, 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 please, or whatever, or I have made arrangements and paid for my plot at this place, that way it is taking some of that burden off of the family because you have already prepared. Isn't that what estate planning is essentially? Your, your will? <laughs> Would it be shady for me to leave some final instructions, but to make it all about making an ass out of people? Like, could I say, 
I'd like Bianca to sing a solo in the middle of the church and I want her to wear this. <laughs> because uh, because like, if it's my final wish, you have to do it. You have to do it. Some culottes and uh, and pasties. <laughs> some crocs. I would really oh. be pleased if Angela would do a dance around the coffin, <laughs> underneath the coffin, on top of the coffin. And when she is done, I want her to open it up, give me a kiss on the cheek, and then close the coffin again. Angela, this is what you will be doing. That is beautiful. And I feel like she would do it. <laughs> again, how do we get onto this? I don't know. But there is some, There, I, I think there is... Uh, yes, there is something that is caring about, you know, or, or kind. It, it's, it's one of the last things that you can do for your family members to take some of the ease off in the event of your, of your demise. <laughs> if they know what those final wishes are and are able to see them through with hopefully the life insurance money that you have left for them. Let's be clear. <laughs> we're, we're moving on oh if you if you like your parents oh my god doesn't everyone no that is the other thing that i think is interesting when we talk about caring uh caring for our aging parents um and just also i read a great article like are we responsible for for caring for them not look yes you are oh my no. god oh what do you mean now? Wait. I okay, so I I we are about I, to have a we're about to have our <laughs> biggest disagreement ever. Now listen. I, yes, I believe so. For me, if my parents were trash ass human beings their entire life, I don't know. If your parent the your parents are the creators of your it life. It doesn't matter. Your, if they got you safely to adulthood, that's did they? What if they did not? I, I, I put if at the beginning of that sentence, Miss <laughs> Ward. Right. Said so if, if they didn't, if they now so if they say, were if they were abusive in some way, if they were uh, if they didn't love you in some way, well then that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about if your parents took care of you, got you safe with your adulthood, safe and sound, then yes, the universe dictates that you damn well better take care of them. And believe you me, if you don't, girl, the universe sees all. I've already said I've said it three times in this podcast today. <laughs> You have been on a roll. That has been your mantra and your mission. So that's why I said, if, what if those, what if your parents were not those people that got you safely to adulthood? But let me ask you another question. Do you have, do you feel responsible for taking care of them? That's not where I was going. Okay. Compassion and love for another person does not hinge on them showing you compassion and love. So even mm -hmm. if you, even if you got less than you deserve, that doesn't mean you can't give it. I don't know, friend. I know. I know. Because because it's because it's not supposed to be transactional. If you are if you're showing compassion and love and kindness to someone only because they were compassionate, loving, and kind to you, what the fuck is that? You should be compassionate <laughs> and kind and loving to everybody because they're human beings. They don't have to give you anything. Yes, compassion and kind and loving, absolutely. But that, but I think there's also boundaries. And I don't know if I have to um, take care of 
if you think hold I, I think on, you can set boundaries on if what you that hold like. on. What you're what you're talking about is resentment. And if you hold Ooh. on to it, it will destroy you. I'm gonna take that to my therapist. Mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't I interrupt you. You were about to get into something here. Go ahead. I, <laughs> I was just I was going to say um the importance of I think, yes, taking care of our aging parents. That's what we do. I think I think that's also some cultural differences in it. There are some some cultures that believe very firmly that we see where the older parents live with you, et cetera. Like that is that is part of that intergenerational living versus um parents being in a nursing home or I think that also goes back to just the best place to care for them so are you setting your parents up or preparing your parents to be in the place that they can get the best care sometimes that's in your home sometimes that is not Um, I think that that is is very honest also Um, all this to say we have these parents we are getting older and so are they and it gets tricky those roles get get a little reversed and it gets tricky and next thing you know you're snatching euros out of your mama's hand and throwing them at the gelato lady because you don't want her to be cheap (laughs) if your parents are here love on them as much as you can if you are in that sandwich generation take care of yourself because it really is it can be very very tough in this week's Gotta Do, we continue New Year, New You 2022. Five gotta do's to make sure you have the best year possible. This week, we're back to politics and we're talking and reminding you that this is a year of action. This is a political year and you need to stay engaged. So Bianca, previously we've covered intentionality, setting intentions. We've covered working out. We've covered... Um, your annual physical. This week, we're going to talk about the fact that 2022 is a political year. We're not electing a president this year, but we are electing governors this year. We're electing House of Representatives members this year. Uh, We're electing senators this year. We're electing city council members this year. And so this needs to be at the top and forefront of your mind. I think we spoke last week or maybe the week prior about some of the, you know, things that are going on at, at the national level. So I won't linger on that. But there are two things that I want to talk about today before we launch into this. First, so um, the president has now been in office for uh, a whole year. Uh, on January 20th, which was earlier this week, he marked one year in office and he is now officially in year two of his presidency. He marked the occasion by having a news conference earlier this week and the media made this huge deal about this only being his second news conference, blah, blah, blah. Even though you know he answers questions all the time, they like to complain about something. The president's approval ratings are low. We know this. I don't want to get into that. But I do want to get into, Bianca, today, some of the reasons why people are telling the pollsters that they're unhappy with the president. The first is inflation, which the president has no control over. The second is COVID, which the president's trying to do, but keeps getting hemmed in by the Supreme Court and people just being disobedient. And so a lot of the things that people are actually mad about would be the same even if we were to swap out President Biden with some other president. So that's the part about it that I find interesting. It's like, okay, so let's say, let's say we had President, I don't know, what would be a good example? President Romney, anybody. 
Like what would be different about COVID if Biden wasn't president? What would be different about inflation if Biden wasn't president? What would be different about gas prices? The, the president has no control over any of that. So to get mad and to take your anger out at the president when the president doesn't have any control over that, I don't know if people just don't realize that the president doesn't have control over that. I don't know if he is just a placeholder for their anger and discontent. I, I, I can't quite figure it out. There was a focus group I was listening to NBC News earlier today. They did a focus group with some suburban women, and that's how they described them: suburban women. And by that, you can just you could just substitute they, white. Were they white? Okay. They didn't say it, but I mean that's what that that's what that's what it means. That's coded language for white women. So they did a focus group with white women, and they wanted to know these were all people who had a negative opinion of Biden, and so they were asking them, you know, when you when we say Biden, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And it was a litany of negative things. They lazy came to mind weak came to mind, um, not engaged comes comes to mind, et cetera, et cetera. Like people just feel like he's not, you know, energetic enough and da 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 da. And again, this is this is a 79 year old man. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's supposed to be turning cartwheels on his way up to the podium. Like, I don't I don't know what people want. I, I don't I don't I don't get it because it doesn't make sense to me. Some of the critiques that people have of him just have never really made sense. What to me, there's nothing about Joe Biden that's that screams lazy. If anything, he's more active and engaged than Trump, who spent most of his day watching television. And that was the days he'd even bother to come down from the residence. Mm. So, but Biden's lazy because he's not screaming at us every day on TV. Like I don't even understand, I don't know where that comes from, what that means. And so this first gotta do is really more about I want people to really think about. What are we mad at? What, what, is, what is the true cause of our anxiety and our discontent and our political displeasure? And if you're one of those people who feel disappointed in, the pres in this presidency, what is the reason for that? Is it because you thought that they were gonna do big things and they haven't done big things? Is it because you thought that COVID was gonna be behind us? Well, I'm, just what, what is it? And then once you figure out what that is, to think about the specific reasons that Biden had for that. So let's say that you were like, you know what? I'm very disappointed that they didn't pass voting rights. They promised that they would pass voting rights and I'm mad that they didn't. Fair. How is Joe Biden in any way to blame for us not doing that when he's been out here begging these people- <laughs> Begging. To vote on the bill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Talk to Manchin and them. I don't know what more he could do he can't force them to vote on it. All he can do is make the case, make the case. Him and the vice president went to Atlanta. They And I, I watched both speeches. They were literally begging the Senate to consider the bill because at the end of the day, Bianca, that's all they can do. They can't make the Senate do anything. So why aren't people mad at the Senate? <laughs> that's what I can't figure out. <laughs> and I think, I think it's interesting because, so speaking of COVID, since the beginning, he has been talking about getting, get your vaccine, put your masks on, do what you need to do. People don't want to do that. And they mad that COVID is still here running amok. <laughs> he's giving out, now he's giving out free tests in, mm -hmm. every, in every home in America can get four tests. Ordered they're giving mine. out, they're giving free masks at the pharmacies. And he, they're doing this. So Bianca, 
he's doing everything in his power to make sure that COVID is, 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 is over as quickly as possible. But at the end of the day, he can't force people to take the vaccine. He tried to put in a vaccine mandate for the companies and the Supreme Court said, no, 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 you can't do that. So again, what is it that people want him to do that's actually within his power to do that he's not already doing? Exactly. And then what is what are people doing with the power that they have? So you wanted... You, him to make COVID disappear. He can't do that. But what can you do? Again, <laughs> vaccine, <laughs> social distance, wear your goddamn mask. And then also, when we talk about elections, please elect the folks that will also support these things. Because um, Yunkin down there in Virginia, telling, removing the mask mandates from schools blows my mind. So kids don't have to wear masks in schools and and here we are so let me read to you a headline from the associated press from earlier this week that i shared with bianca and i'm going to share with all of you this is a this is a news story from ap i'm just going to read you the the first paragraph lead a florida bill that would prohibit public schools and private businesses from making white people feel quote unquote discomfort when they teach students or train employees about discrimination in the nation's past has received its first approval on Tuesday. So let me, let me, let me unpack that. The state of Florida is considering a bill that would make it illegal to make white people feel discomfort or uncomfortable discussing our racist past in schools, and in businesses. White fragility makes me sick. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tired. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just literally to be black or brown in this country is, is to have to always be in a state of discomfort because we never know what is going to happen to us, literally by being in our own bodies. And it has been shown and proven that especially the justice system really don't give a damn and we are disposable anyway. So why now <laughs> are we trying to make it illegal for white folk to feel discomfort? How to make it make sense. When I first saw the story, I thought it was maybe from The Onion because it it, it sounds like an Onion story. <laughs> and I'm, I'm being absolutely, because it was, because you know, it was, you know, you ever read something and it's, and it's so like, it's so far-fetched. You're like, oh, this, this can't, this must be one of those like fake news. You know, sometimes uh-huh. they try to trick you. Yep. But it was, it was a legit story because I couldn't believe it at first. I'm like, this sound, this is so silly. This can't be real. Um, and there's no guarantee the bill will pass and there's no guarantee that the governor would sign it into law, but it already passed like one chamber. And to me, it's gone too far already because this should, no one, this should have been one of those zero to 100 votes. Like nobody should have voted for this. This is also Florida. Bianca. (laughs) Bianca. I mean, this is a, this is a slap to the face of anyone who's not white because essentially, so in other words, these are people who didn't even experience slavery. These are these aren't people who even experience racial discrimination day to day. These are not, these are unoppressed people. 
they are now saying that they're going to pass laws so that they cannot be made uncomfortable to say nothing of those of us and our ancestors who were enslaved, who were sold as property, and to even to this day have got no reparations, which we've talked about on this show. And these systems of oppression are still very much in play. But you want to talk about your discomfort? What the fuck does a white person have to be uncomfortable about in America? Thank you. And then when they are uncomfortable, all they do is call the police. (laughs) So... So, I mean, it's, so, it's, so it's absurd on its face. It really is. But here's, here's the gotta do. I don't think people really, I don't get the sense, Bianca, that progressive people, and I use progressives like a catch-all for kind of like Democrats, you know, liberals, all those sorts of people. I don't, I don't get the sense that progressive people really understand what we're up against because I don't sense the same level of pushback that these, that the other side, that they're like, they're out here talking about all this stuff, making literally just talking about their discomfort and putting it into law. I don't see, I don't see progressives giving that the requisite pushback that it demands. And I remember in 2016, when we didn't give the requisite pushback to, you know, who, because everyone was like, oh, well, he's not going to win. They're, they'll never pick him. Yeah. And they did pick him. Sure well, did. let me be clear. The Electoral College picked him because he sure didn't get did. the most votes. And we can have another podcast about how fucked up that is in, 20, in <laughs> 2016 and 2022. But anyway, I, where, why, why aren't people like in the streets saying this is some fuckery? We need, to, we need to be telling people that this is like for this to even be under consideration in Florida, we should be in the streets. Again, because it's Florida. <laughs> and so so to be fair um what do we know about what do we know about pushback that has happened are people in the streets and we just don't know is was the was the <laughs> news article just this is what's happening let me let y'all know what's going on now that's a fair that's very fair so i think so in this ap story i think they were centered on just the fact that the bill had been passed in one of the chambers which is so, ridiculous anyway they weren't talking about the counter to the extent that there were counter movements that was unmentioned. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't going on because you know, the AP covers what the AP wants to cover, but it does mean that the AP wasn't aware enough to include a mention because they would have. Fair. Yeah. Florida's gone Florida. I just, I don't know. You, you know, you say all the time and a few times already today that, you know, the earth is dying and we're all going <laughs> to, we're oh my just, god. I never, just, I never said We're gonna that. be extinct anyway. So just beam me up. The earth is ghetto. I don't think the earth is dying. I don't know why you took that. That was not my takeaway. Because that's not, I don't think I've ever said the earth is dying. I think I actually may have said that the earth will endure and we will die. Oh, I think that was the Fair. point. I made. Sorry, it's me who says that the earth is dying. <laughs> you know what? But I'm here to keep you on the path of straight and narrow. <laughs> Mother Earth will be just fine. So um I feel like Bianca, I might bring up politics every other week from here for the rest of the year, because I really do feel like it feels like we're just asleep at the controls. And I feel yeah. like the Republicans are just running the Republicans and the conservative Democrats, Manchin and Cinema and their elk are just <laughs> are just running away with it. And I don't understand why people aren't more up in arms about the about some of the, the foolishness that's going on for the governor of Virginia to just take the mask mandate out of the schools. I mean, that is that is absurd. We are at the height of a, of a wave of COVID and now is the time to, to take the mask out of schools. 
for the children that can't be vaccinated? Are you fucking insane? The fact that, again, this is even a conversation, but I mean, we've been seeing the angry parents at the, at the school board meetings talking about the mass and my kids can't breathe and you can't tell them and just all of that shit. So feeding into that, but just com- in complete disregard of the safety of the students, of the teachers, and you want your children to be in school, but they can because they all got the um Amari. Let me not call it the Omarion. They all <laughs> got that Omicron. <laughs> I don't know if I like it. Okay, so we're transitioning. Uh, oh, <laughs> by the way, before we transition, one one little teaser. So next week we're gonna bring uh, New Year, New You to a close with Bianca and I's because uh, you know we love a list here at the pod. We do. We're gonna give you a list of twenty two things that you gotta do in twenty twenty two, and I've already got my eleven. So I hope Bianca's got to start on her list, and we will mesh them together, and we will spend some time next week on the tw- on the list of twenty two. It's gonna be it's gonna be hot. Don't worry. about I it. I am curious because are we gonna like share them ahead of time so that we don't overlap? We're gonna we're gonna have a production meeting this week to get our ass okay. <laughs> okay, so I went to my so I took my book to my physical this week. I was reading it in the waiting room, and two people wanted to know what I was reading, and two people got like the name of the book because they wanted to read the book. Mm. I'm enjoying the book. Are you not enjoying the book? I don't know if I've gotten far enough into it, so so I'm not very far to say whether or not I am enjoying it. I, I don't I don't know. But interesting enough, my I was reading it and my son was like, Oh, what are you reading? And I was telling him like the name of the book or whatever. And he was like, Oh, what's manifesting? And I was able to like explain that to him. So he was like, Oh, so it's like magic. <laughs> and I was like, ah. So we just had this this whole conversation about it. Um I don't know if I've gotten far enough into it where it's sticking with me yet. I think that's what I'll say. I'll tell you where I where I was hooked. Have you gotten far enough where the author talks about how time is a made up thing and it doesn't really exist in reality? Have yes. you gotten that far yet? That's I where I so. fell in love with the book. I can't wait to talk about it next week because okay. there's so much science and and, and physics woven into there. Uh-huh. It was it's right up my alley, y'all. It's right up my alley. <laughs> it really is. Just so folks know, we are not going to be reading that um, none of that next month. <laughs> I so, will bring some love back. You have one more week to read the book. It's called The Magic of Manifesting, 15 Advanced Techniques to Attract Your Best Life, Even If You Don't Think It's Possible Now by Ryu Shinohara. And we're going to be reading, we're going to be reading it. We're going to be reviewing it and discussing it next week. It's really, really good. It is not like anything we've ever read. I will, really I will just tell you, it's, it's very um, uh, theoretical and mm-hmm. philosophical. But um, but I think it's going to be good in a different way. So um, it's only 100 plus pages. You've got some time. To, you've got seven more days. So read the book with us. Also, a shout out to the San Francisco 49ers who defeated the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys last weekend in the wildcard round and are moving to the divisional round to play the Green Bay Packers tonight. And good luck to them in their quest to bring us a sixth Super Bowl championship. Follow us on Twitter. Didn't they Twitter. lose last year? We're Follow just, us on. <laughs> you know, I don't know about the footy ball, but I distinctly remember you being a little depressed. Wasn't that that was was that last year? Last year, what? That they weren't they in the Super Bowl last time? They were in the Super Bowl two years ago. And oh, they, it was two and years they, ago, and they and they, they were defeated by the Chiefs after the Chiefs oh, cheated right. and won. But anyway, we don't have to get into all that again. 
we don't because again i don't know nothing about that go ahead Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Ward and Webster, and be on the lookout for some brand new advertisements that we may or may not be placing <laughs> on some of our social media pages. No pressure. <laughs> Absolutely no pressure. When you listen to this podcast, always subscribe, because by subscribing, the podcast comes right to your phone. You can subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, and we're on all of them, so don't worry about that. Be sure to give us a rating if, uh, and click like on the podcast. That's very important to do. And if you want to leave us a comment and tell us how great I am and what improvements Bianca needs, go ahead and do that as well. Why new episodes, like new episodes of this podcast are every weekend at wardenwebster.com. And if you need to write that down, it's wardenwebster.com. <laughs> it kills me when you say if you need to write that down. Like I always expect you to spell it out. Wouldn't you want to? What if Webster is, has an, uh, a silent A in it? It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> Webster like the dictionary. Um, and also before we go, I just want to say that Bianca Wants Diapers 2021 has wrapped up and it was pretty amazing. So thank you to all of my wonders out there who donated. Um, my goal was 10,000 diapers and I exceeded the goal. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, Bianca wants diapers 2021. Amazing done and benefiting Mama Toto Village. Thank you for all who donated. Did you get the package I sent? I did. I didn't tell you. Cause I didn't get, I didn't even get a text message saying thank you. And I spent a whole <sighs> $30 on Pam. Yeah. I'm sorry, diapers. <laughs> And you know what? I had given you a shout out oh, on Facebook and I literally post. I'm not from on Isaiah Facebook. Webster. Exactly. But he's too cool for Facebook. I will screenshot and send you what I post. Well, I mean, I didn't really need to think. I just want to make sure you got it because you can't be I trusting did. people these days. People steal packages and they shit. They do, child. The porch pirates are out. Okay, well, I'm just glad you got it. And I'm really, and it was, it was a pleasure to support Mama Toto Village. We've been tweeting about them as well. And I'm glad that you exceeded. So you didn't give us the number. You don't want to share the, the exact number? I don't have the exact number yet, but it is over 10,000. I think it's like 10,180, something you, like that. Is this higher than your number last year or lower? It is, because last year was like 9,064. So yes, over 1,000. So this is huge. That is great. And it's and it's great that that Bianca was able to support. This is a this is a great thing, Bianca. I'm very very proud of you for doing this for Mama Toto Village. I'm sure they're grateful. Karma giving to the world and the universe. Also, one last plug before we go. So Bianca and I did have a production meeting recently, and we know that Black History Month is coming, coming, coming. And it don't is. you worry, because we are ready. We are ready. So we're not going to do a quote unquote, you know, series, but we are going to be uplifting Black History Month every single episode in February in our intro. So mm -hmm. come on in the first 15 minutes to find out we're going to have a little treat for you for Black hey. History Month every Saturday in the intro for February. Because we love the Blacks. <laughs> absolutely love, love, love the Blacks. Anything else we want to plug? I think that is it. This, this episode went all the way around, back again, through the barn and over the woods. So I think we can wrap up now. I'm Isaiah Webster. Whew, and I have made it. I am Bianca Ward. Thank you for <laughs> listening. And we are out. <laughs> Thank you.